Welcome to the porch, everybody. Glad you're here. Good morning. All right. Hey, my name is Greg. I'm the worship pastor here, and uh, I am thrilled to take the, the stage in a different capacity this morning. Our pastor, Pastor Will, is taking a much-needed break before we head off to Uganda on Wednesday morning at 3.30 a.m. Now, in my mind, I think I'll really only see 3.30 once in the day. I'm not sure about you, and I think that's the way it should be, but when you got to catch a 6 o'clock flight uh, for 30 hours, you tell, can you tell I'm looking forward to that? Uh, yeah, when you came in today, you got a bulletin. Uh, there are some notes that you can uh, add on to in there, as well as some information about stuff that we have uh, going on. You can reference that uh, throughout the course of our time here today. Uh, we are continuing uh, in a series that we're calling Winning at the Game of Life. You saw some stuff from the, the board game. Anybody like board games in here? Uh, yeah, we got some families that do some family uh, game night and, uh, and that kind of thing. And uh, Pastor Will uh, has shared that uh, he likes to beat his kids um, in board games. He doesn't like to just beat his kids. <laughs> See, if this were the media, they would take that clip and they'd put it everywhere. Pastor likes to beat his children um, in board games. That's a freebie. That's not in my notes. Uh, but really, the series is about succeeding and winning at life. And really, that's part of life. We really want to enjoy this thing called life. We want to do well. We want to succeed. And, and I think that um, everybody kind of has a different idea of success. And that, I think that really needs to come into consideration with these messages that we've been talking about, like living in abundant simplicity and pursuing fervent prayer and selfless love and, and being rooted in Scripture like Andrew talked about last week. So if your idea of being successful is to amass great amounts of wealth, to have the best toys on the block, to be able to do and afford everything you could possibly desire, then, then you're going to get something completely different out of these sermons on winning at life. If your idea of success is to raise smart children who will go on to change the world, then you're going to get a different idea of the message on winning at the game of life. If your idea of success as being a world-class athlete, retiring at the top of your game, then you're probably not even here today. <laughs> you might be listening or watching online while you're training at the gym because that is life for you. But regardless, you're going to get something different out of these messages. And I don't think that these messages are a one-size-fit-all kind of message. I think that the Holy Spirit is tailor-making each of these messages to fit exactly what you need to succeed. And today is no different. I, I think that the Holy Spirit's going to challenge you, inspire you, encourage you. Uh, hopefully you'll, you'll be entertained a little bit today. Um, but I really want to help you to make some shifts in your life that will set you up for success. And, and I'm, I'm talking about the, the God kind of success, okay? Uh, for me, I'll consider my life a success if I do everything that God asked me to do, when he asked me to do it and amass great amounts of wealth, raise smart kids who change the world, and be at the top of my game as a world-class athlete in my age range. Now, I'm not sure that I'm the most perfect person to talk to you about those last three, but uh, I, I think that today's message will help you become successful at doing the things that God wants you to do. And if you're interested in hearing more of that, can you say amen? amen. Hey, all right, we're on the same page. Way to go. Well, today's topic is a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, 
before you check out and, and start, you know, like thinking he's going to talk about some weird stuff, he put my earbuds in and, and just listen to some praise music and, and tune out. I think that today could be one of the most important messages that you ever hear in your life. This message on empowerment has changed my life dramatically, radically changed me. If you were here last week, you heard Andrew, our outreach director, he, he talked about the Bible and he brought up some, some really uh, some powerful tensions that we have when we read the Bible and, and how people are, are polarized with what they believe about what the Bible says. And he brought up these highly debatable topics. And, and I think his goal wasn't to resolve and tell you what to believe, but that you would be challenged to take in the Bible and, and make it part of your everyday life. And, and I hope that you read your Bible last week. But my goal today is a bit different. I used to work for a church that uh, we were inter- interdenominational, and, and essentially when we were teaching, they would ask us to teach on all the aspects of what, what people could believe, uh, some of the things that, that Andrew brought up last week, uh, and, and really let you make up your mind about it. Uh, but I can't in good conscience do that. I, I can't give you what I believe is bad theology and say, that's it's okay if you believe that. It's okay, you can choose to believe whatever you want. Because I believe the Bible has one interpretation and many applications. So, I hate to say it, some people are wrong. It's like those people that take the toilet paper roll and they fold it under. They're just wrong. And there's an amen. Do you feel me? It was like that in our bathroom. I had to switch it. So, you're welcome, gentlemen. So, I'm going to give it to you straight today, guys. I'm going to give you the good, the bad, the ugly. You might change your opinion about me after this, but I don't really care. <laughs> you may disagree, but for now, I got the microphone. So sit back, relax, shut your mouth, and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we can, seriously, I'm happy to have these conversations later, help you see uh, the other side of the coin, as it were. But empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Before we get into this, I think we've got to address the more important question Who is the Holy Spirit? Now, let's look at Acts 19 real quick. If uh, you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and turn over there. We're going we're gonna to dance around the Scripture a little bit today. And if you need a Bible, uh, you can go ahead and raise your hand. Our ushers will be happy to get one for you, one of these uh, porch Bibles. I mean, they don't have our name on it or anything, but uh, we buy them. And you're welcome to have one with you if you need a copy of God's Word. I think it's important for you to follow along with the Word of God and, and not take just the preacher's word for it, uh, because I think that's gotten a lot of people in trouble just believing some guy on stage. So that is not to discount anything I'm going to say. You should totally believe it. But <laughs> at, uh, at any rate, it's going to follow the, uh, the word, of, word of God. This is such a broad topic today. We got a lot to cover. I hope you had a big breakfast. What are you doing for the next six hours? <laughs> We're going to jump in right away. Acts 19, we're looking at verses 1 through 7. We got Paul here. Uh, Paul's the author of over half of the New Testament, and uh, he's on one of his missionary journeys. He's visiting uh, the city of Ephesus, and these are the people who he eventually wrote the book of Ephesians to, and, and these are the people that he encountered here. Uh, they were some of the, the followers of, of John the Baptist, and that's not to say that it, they didn't follow Jesus. It just means that they were, they were uh, closely related or closely in relationship with uh, John the Baptist, who was, if you remember, Jesus' cousin, the predecessor of Jesus, and he said, the Messiah's coming, you know, make way the way for the Lord. And so they were following uh, John the Baptist. And so Paul here, he's, he's talking to these men, and they're 12 men, not to be confused with the 12 disciples. Looking at 
verse 1. He says this, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived, arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, What baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to, to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Did you catch that? There were, there were 12 men here, and, and they said, no, we haven't even heard there's a Holy Spirit. Now, I think sadly enough that that might be the case for many Christians today. Well, maybe they've heard of the Holy Spirit in passing or perhaps in a prayer where you would say, pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that's about all they get. Some people, some Christians, maybe they've forgotten about the Holy Spirit, or maybe they saw something on TV that weirded them out, or they had an experience that somebody was trying to shove them down or do something strange to them, and so they discount the Holy Spirit altogether. Forget, forget that third part of the Trinity. There's a pastor and author uh, named Francis Chan, and uh, he wrote this incredible book uh, entitled The Forgotten God, Reversing Our Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit. And, and he writes this. He says, no matter what religious tradition you come from, you likely carry baggage and harbor stereotypes when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? No matter where you come from. What you were brought up to believe, you probably harbor some baggage or stereotypes when it comes to this third person of the Trinity. He also wrote this. He said there's a big gap between what we read in Scripture about the Holy Spirit and how most believers and churches operate today. That's a big amen for me. So, so you probably know where you stand regarding the, the Holy Spirit, what you believe. And maybe you don't have enough knowledge to make up your mind about what you believe. But, but my challenge today for you is is I'd like you to forget those preconceived notions that you have. And let's just, let's just focus on what the Scripture says, okay? So when did the Holy Spirit show up? Was he around just in the New Testament? Is he just something that Jesus made up? Let's look at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. We'll have it on the screen for you. You can turn there. Don't take my word for it. Uh, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yep, sounds legit. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Holy Spirit's been around since the beginning of time, along with God and Jesus. This is called the Trinity. Now, a lot of people get confused about the Trinity. Unless your name's Trinity, then you know it all. But. <laughs> the best way that I can describe the Trinity to you is with the popular breakfast food the egg. So, have a little egg. This is not my breakfast. Uh, this is something I want to show you something uh, here today. And uh, and so you have God, who's God. You have Jesus, who's God. You have the Holy Spirit, who's God. How can this even be possible? How can three different distinctions be the same entity? Well, think about an egg for a minute. Okay, you have an egg. It's made up of a shell. And when you crack it open, there are other two other parts in there, right? You have the yolk, and you have the egg white. So you, so you look at an egg, and you would say, yeah, that's an egg, right? I would show you the shell. Would you say this is an egg? It's an egg, right? It's the eggshell. 
I were able to separate that, you tell I'm not a chef, <laughs> uh, you'd have the yolk. You could separate the yolk from the white and just eat egg, egg yolks. You could separate the egg white from the yolk and just eat the egg whites. Better for you, high in protein. But all of them are still an egg, right? They're still an egg. So, so God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, they're all still God, but they have different characteristics. And, and I believe that they add different value to your life. So before Jesus was crucified, he gave the disciples this message in John chapter 16. You can let your fingers do the walking and turn over there as well. And he said this in verse 7. He said, very truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I'll send him to you. When he comes, he'll prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world stands condemned. Verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, I'm sure the disciples are hearing this message, and they're like, say what? Jesus, you said, it, you said it's going to be better that you go away? Now, put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. They've been watching and interacting with Jesus for the past three years, seeing him do mighty miracles, healing the lame and the sick and the deaf and, and raising people from the dead. And they're like, Jesus, wait a second. You, you think it's going to be better if you're gone and we're here to do this by ourselves? What you been smoking, Jesus? I mean, where you been? He says, things will be better when I'm gone. They're like, this is, you're the best thing that's happened to us. There's no way. So why would Jesus even say that? Why would he say it's going to be better? But he says the Spirit will come. But, but wait a second. We read earlier, the Spirit's been around since the beginning, right? Even in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and rest on prophets and priests and kings and judges and give them power to do miraculous things. The Spirit of God filled a man named Bezalel in Exodus 31. Try to say that three times fast. Bezalel, Bezalel. Look at, look at verse 2 in, in Exodus 31. He says, See, I've chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, and of the tribe of Judah, and I filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom and understanding, with knowledge, with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, to engage in all kinds of crafts. The Spirit's been around since the beginning. He was filling people in the Old Testament. But So what's the, what's the correlation here? So when Jesus was saying that the Spirit would come, he was saying that the filling of the Holy Spirit would be available to everyone, everywhere. That there wouldn't be a limitation just for some special person for some special task, like to build something, or it wouldn't be limited to some person in some certain place and time in history like Jesus was. He was saying, I can be everywhere at the same time, empowering everyone. So he was basically saying that the miracles that they had seen him do would be capable of being multiplied across the earth instantly. So, so, so yeah, Jesus was right. It would be better that he go away and that we would have access to the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. 
than to just watch and assist him in one small corner of the earth. Does that make sense? Follow him? The Bible has many ways to describe the Holy Spirit and his work. Uh, it calls him the comforter, the counselor, the, the advocate is, is one who helps, one who, uh, think of a lawyer in that regard, someone who advocates on your behalf. Uh, the guide, the intercessor, that basically means he prays for you. The teacher and many others. And I find it fascinating that God would choose this form to use in us. And let me clarify something for you here. When you become a believer, when you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you get the Holy Spirit as a deposit on the inside of you. You, you don't get some miniature Holy Spirit. You don't get some subpar Holy Spirit. You get all of the Holy Spirit. He's on the inside of you. And when, when God fills you with his Spirit to overflowing, there's, there's a purpose to it. And there's gifts that are included with it. it. It ain't like getting a remote control car from your papa for Christmas and he forgot the batteries. This is a package deal. You get all of it. So, so the main thing that I want you to remember, I want you to write this down today. Uh, we got a spot in your bulletin for that. The power of the Holy Spirit produces purpose. The power of the Holy Spirit produces purpose. Everybody say, I have a purpose. Yeah, you have a purpose. You have a purpose. And here's a side note you can write down. You get the tools to fulfill that purpose. Say, I've got the tools. Not I am a tool. I've got the tools, okay? So, so now you know who the Holy Spirit is. This leads us to the empowerment part. And this is, I love to talk about this. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. And you know why? Why? That wasn't my spot where I'm supposed to take a drink of my tea because my throat's hurting. Because I love superheroes. Anybody superhero fancy? Look, see some of my favorite superheroes on the screen. All of them? <laughs> I love them all. This is the Marvel Universe. Um, and if you don't know the difference, I'll pray for you. <laughs> so ever since I was an itsy-bitsy Spider-Man, I... Uh, <laughs> I've always found it fascinating to see these, these superhuman abilities come to life in comics and, and on TV and in cartoons and, and especially on the big screen. My, my all-time favorite superhero is Batman, and mainly because he wasn't bitten by something radioactive or didn't fall in a big bat, bat of green goo. He's just a guy. Batman's just a guy, right? Like, he's a smart guy with a, with a lot of money, but he's, he's just a guy. Probably got a tragic past, but he, he's just a guy. Maybe some anger issues and some serious ninja training, but he's just a guy. I mean, he puts on the bat suit. He's got his utility belt. He drives around in the Batmobile ready to face down criminals, fight injustice, and, and help people. I love Batman. I like to think of the Holy Spirit in this, in this way, that he, when he comes to live inside of us, that we get this amazing new utility belt filled with so many tools to help us along our journey. So we're given a helper. Like, he speaks directly to us. It's like, it's like Batman's got Alfred right in his ear, right? Like we have Siri, turn left, you know. <laughs> He's a guide. He speaks directly to us, spirit to spirit. He knows how to help us know what to do and how to do it. He gives us boldness to step out and, and take risks to help people know about what we believe. He's got jobs for us to fulfill on a daily basis, a, a mission, if you will, 
that we, we can check in. We can wake up every morning. We can check in with the kingdom of heaven and say, what is it that you have for me to do today? The truth is that, that God has plans and designs for each and every one of you to live out the empowered life in your world. And your world is basically your community, your school, your, your neighborhood, your, your family. God has designed you to live out the empowerment wherever you go because the kingdom of God is in you and he's with you. Ephesians 2 says, says it like this in verse 10. We are God's workmanship. The Greek word is poema. You are, you are God's poem, his masterpiece. And he's got designs for you. You're created in Christ Jesus to do good works in which he has prepared in advance for you to do. You've got some divine interruptions that God wants you to take into consideration. And I, and I think that the only way that we can fulfill these good works is with the helper. Sure, we can be good people. I know a lot of good people that aren't believers. I know a lot of moral people that don't believe in Jesus. We can be philanthropists. We can volunteer to help. But I'm really talking about those kingdom works, the ones that take the extra step of, of telling people why you're doing it, pointing people to Jesus, talking about the people of God getting thrust into their worlds on mission for God to be life givers, people ready to make a difference in their worlds. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit is a, is a game changer in that regard. You can't do it on your own. You can try. It's difficult. He's the game changer. He's the, he's the home run in the bottom of the ninth. He's the pick six when you're down by a touchdown. He's the three-point buzzer beater to win the final victory. He's the game changer. And with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you'll be ready and able to fulfill the work of God that he has for you. And you'll be on the lookout for the divine interruptions that the Lord has already set out for you in advance. Now, I've seen a lot of guys who are like, I would consider them superheroes of the faith. And I look up to them. I don't know them personally. They're my mentors, I guess you could say. But um, guys like, uh, like Robbie Dawkins, maybe you never heard of him, look him up. And a, and a guy named Todd White. I, I first heard of Todd White probably about 13, 14 years ago. And I'm going to give you a quick introduction to, to what uh, some of the things that Todd, Todd White does on the streets. So uh, look at the screen. I want to show you this clip. Okay. Do you have anything physically that gives you any trouble? At all? Bad. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, wow. So is it hurt right now? Like when you're moving around? A little bit. So like if God healed it, you'd know right away? Dude, God will take that from you right now. Yeah, come on. I'm he so loves serious, you man. Guys so much. Come on, man. Let us pray for you. Okay, let me see your hand. What's your name? DeAndre. DeAndre. Mm -hmm. DeAndre, you're amazing, man. You are. You have amazing purpose, dude. <laughs> you're amazing. Father, I thank you for DeAndre in Jesus' yeah. name. Back, I command you right now in Jesus' name. Let him go. Every bit of pain, let him go. Every muscle, every tendon. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Every disc right now. Let him go. Man, I'm hearing this. You get back pain all the time. You get a constant. It's a constant. Yeah. Yeah. Man, sit. Take your backpack away from your back and sit back the whole way. I've got to see something because I'm hearing the same thing. Let me see your feet. Okay. It's the same thing. I want you to look and see. Come down here. You want to see this from this angle. Come down here and tell me which leg is short. Come here. It's throwing your back out. Wait, the left one, right? It's at least an inch short, right? 
cut it because I broke it. You broke it and they yeah. put it back together and they didn't yeah. put all the pieces back. Yeah, I broke it. You ready to get a piece? Yeah, yeah watch. Daddy, well, thank you. In Jesus' name. Left leg, I command you grow. Right now, in Jesus' name. Right in here. Where did you break it? Right in here? Wow. Right on. So it was coming right out, dude. Isn't that cool? That is amazing, and dude. Now check the back. Yeah, check your back. Stand check up and back. check your back. It's done. How'd you do that? Oh, it's done. Here's Jesus what I did. did I just I just prayed in Jesus' name, and Jesus healed him right now. Yeah. Like, do you get? Like, do you get? He's actually flowing through me, through the Holy Spirit. I'm no healer, but the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. It's good. It's good, man. It's good. Come on, man. Is your back good? Completely good. Did you break it? Yeah. Did you break it in fighting? Huh? You did. You busted it on someone's forehead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm going to show you how merciful God is because His grace is amazing. See, you broke it off of someone's forehead, man, a few days ago. Come on. Daddy, thank you in Jesus' name. Hand, we command you. Be healed. Father, thank you for mercy in Jesus' name. Every bone right now, I command you, go back to where you belong. Right now, in Jesus' name. Move it. All right, man. What are you feeling? Oh, it's great. <laughs> you know, Jesus loves you so much. That's really good. He healed you because he loves you. He loves you, man. He loves you uncontrollably, man. Can I? Isn't that nuts? Isn't that? Cr that's just crazy. You watch stuff like that, and you're like, okay, who who paid these guys? I'm thinking like this is like. Chris Angel, mind freak kind of stuff, you know, like he's on the streets of Vegas and like he paid these guys to say that trick was real. But you saw it, right? You saw the leg grow out. And the guy, you saw the joy on his face when he's like, the pain's gone. Like it, it doesn't hurt. And then some guy on the street just walks by and is like, what's going on? When you got the Holy Spirit, people notice. People take notice. I see stuff like this and I'm just like, I get fired up. Like, God, use me to do that. I want to. I want to do that. I want to do that, Jesus. And then almost instantly in that same moment, I'm wrestling and I'm analyzing the whole situation. I'm thinking, okay, how many hours a day do these guys pray? They got to get up at 3.30, which we already know that I only see once in the day. I, I don't know. I might pray 20 minutes a day. Then, then I'm thinking, okay, they're, they're studying the scripture. They probably rip out Bible, Bible pages and stick it in their protein shake and something's got, I mean, what's the secret here? I mean, are they bathing in anointing oil from Jerusalem? I mean, what's going on with these guys? What's the secret formula? There's gotta, they gotta be super holy. They gotta, gotta have some kind of secret to do this stuff. And, and I, I really, I do think there's a secret. I do. I think there's a secret to this kind of super, supernatural connection with God. You, you saw him praying, right? He was just beginning to command the back to be healed. And he's like, I'm hearing this. I'm hearing this. You, you suffer with back pain all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing this. I, one leg shorter than the other. Where do you think you heard that from? You heard it from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit deposited that information to him, a word of knowledge, the Bible talks about, 
And he was able to know exactly what was going on and how to pray and command healing in that moment. So here's what I think the secret is. While I told you, you get all the Holy Spirit when you're saved. You get them all. I believe there's a secondary experience that can happen after salvation. It brings empowerment in a way that you've never known. And Jesus, Jesus mentioned this. I'm not making this stuff up, guys. Jesus said it himself, okay? Look at Acts chapter 1. I'm talking about the, the filling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible talks about it. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And, uh, and essentially, Jesus is saying, you know, when you go out and do this kind of stuff, you're not alone. The, the power of the Holy Spirit produces the purpose in your life, and there's a purpose to, to that empowerment. It's not just to show off and think that you're some super Christian and you can do cool stuff or speak in some weird language. There's a power. There's a, there's a power for a purpose to be a witness. Those guys were, were seeing the love of God in a, in a way that they had never seen it before and experiencing it for themselves. Like, it's one thing to say, God loves you. Here's a cheeseburger, you know, like, here's a gift card. That's, that's one thing. That's another thing to say, oh, you got pain in your body? God loves you. Watch this. Watch what Jesus can do for you. And they walk away. They have a physical manifestation of the love of God inside their bodies. You can't discount that. You can't deny that God exists when that kind of stuff happens. That person, boom, believer. Oh, they, they made, it, made, it, made up their mind about Jesus long before, but their mind was changed instantly. So this, this Acts 1-8 passage, this was just after Jesus had risen from the dead. He was in his physical form. He had already died and came back to earth. He's interacting with his disciples, his followers, and he, and he gives them this instruction. He says, he says, wait in the temple for the gift that I promised you about, the gift that he was talking about in John chapter 16. And he tells them again that they'll get that power, the, the empowerment. The Greek word for power there is dunamis. It's the word that we get our word dynamite for, explosive power, dynamic power, power that will change people's lives, supernatural stuff. So they wait in the temple, 120 of his followers at that point. And in Acts chapter 2, the game changer shows up. The Bible says it this way in Acts 2, verse 2 to 4. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated. It came to rest on each of them. All of them... All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, this, this wasn't just for them to be able to speak in a different language, okay? Or to run around looking and sounding all weird. And it, and it certainly seemed weird. The people that were seeing that, they were like, what the heck is going on here? What happened to these people? They're drunk. Look at it. It says they're, they've had too much wine. That's what it says. Translation, he drunk right? But, but Peter, he stands up here, begins to preach. He, he explains it like this. He says, they're not drunk. It's nine o'clock. And, and he wasn't like, they're not drunk. It's five o'clock somewhere. He said, it's nine o'clock in the morning. Guys, it's all good. He says, they've experienced the prophecy that Joel talked about. Remember the Old Testament, Joel chapter two. In those days, my spirit will be poured out. He's saying God's spirit is being poured out to proclaim him as king. That, I know some of you are just like weirded out right now. I can feel it. I can feel those. those I, I've been there. I've been there. I'll tell you a little bit more about my story in a little while. But 
The way it was explained to me is like this. You get the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. It's kind of like having the power, a light bulb on the inside of you. And when you, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the filling of the Holy Spirit, these are Jesus' words, okay? This is not something us Pentecostals or Charismatics made up. It's like flipping the switch and the power comes on. When someone explained it to me like that, I was like, okay, I, I think I can follow you. It's kind of like this. Those superheroes that have that like, certain genome in them that, that reacts when they have their moment. You know, like Peter Parker when he's bitten by the radioactive spider. It's like he wakes up the next morning and he's like, ooh, look at me. What's that? Oh, my hands are all sticky. Or Bruce Banner when, he, when he's exposed to those gamma rays. Or, or Captain Marvel when she's got that alien thing that's going on with her, right? <laughs> the, the power gets turned on in that moment. In that moment, they've, they've, they've had that genome, they've had it, you know, their whole lives, but that thing happened, right? It happened for the believers. I mean, look at Peter's example. Peter, okay? If you know a little bit about Peter, just a few months before, he was a timid fisherman. He was foolish, impulsive. He's probably a little bit foolish and, and impulsive still, but you'd hardly ever find him speaking up about Jesus. In fact, just the opposite. You remember the, the time where Jesus said, Peter, you're the one that's going to deny me that you even know me. And, and Peter did it. He denied knowing Jesus three times after Jesus was arrested. Talk about being a scaredy cat, right? This is the same Peter that when those people said, those dudes are drunk, Peter was like, no, no hold up, wait a minute. They didn't put no liquor in it. Like, he, he said it. He said, they're not drunk. That's the Holy Spirit. This is what's happening here. Peter, timid, foolish Peter. <laughs> Something changed, Right? I mean, do you see that? That's, that's the Bible. If you think it's weird, it's here. It's in the Bible. Don't look at me like I'm a fool. It's in the Bible. And then, then, then Peter, he's emboldened to preach about Jesus. And two chapters later, guys, you got to read the book of Acts. Two chapters later, Peter and John are walking by a gate called Beautiful, and they tell a man who'd been lame from birth, silver and gold have we not, but get up in the name of Jesus, Walk. What happened to the dude? Did he sit there? Like, oh, I'm good. I'm okay. I don't need to walk. Dude's about 40 years old at the moment. We understand from, the Bible doesn't specifically say that, but scholars believe it, and so sure. At any point, he, he hadn't been walking. He had never walked since birth, and, and moments later, he's jumping and dancing and talking about the love of Jesus, all because of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. It'd be an experiment when you try it. The Holy Spirit empowering these guys, right? And then the people around took notice, saying these guys are unschooled, ordinary men, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. Read it, Acts chapter 4. I know this can be a stretch. I mean, I, it took me a lot to, to, get, to even see this and, and even want to believe it. I guess you could say I was like a buffet Christian. You know the kind, right? You've been to a buffet, some of you more than you should. So you're walking through the buffet line, and you're like, oh, yeah, give me some spaghetti and meatballs. I'm not about that. Broccoli, ha, ah, nah. No, all right. Lima beans, nope. All right, give me that cheeseburger. So I'm a buffet Christian most of my life, and I'm, and I'm consuming all the scriptures that I enjoy and I love, and I come to the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, ah, nope. E, get away. Any, any scripture about the Holy Spirit I would skip over where I'd try to explain away. And it took me 10 years, 10 years 
studying, looking, praying, and people praying for me to, to experience this. It says speaking in tongues. I was like, ah, oh, no, nah, they speak in French. <laughs> Took me a while to get to the point where I, where I believed this. And I, and I wasn't at the point where the cessationists are, where they believed all the miracles have passed away. I was, wasn't ever to that point, but I couldn't understand it. And I, and I didn't have an experience of it. And so even though many of my family members had, I, I still didn't believe it. I argued against it. I feel like I'm running out of time, so just bear with me just for a moment. So how, how does any of this help us win at life? I'm sure you're asking that question. Okay, this is all fine and good and weird and funky. What's, is he going to start running through the pews and screaming in tongues? Like, oh, I'm out of here if that happens. <laughs> Not going to do that. But how does it help us win at life? I'll go back to the beginning. What, what makes someone successful? Are you only successful if you climb the corporate ladder and you're at the top and have all the cool stuff? If so, only 1% of people in the world are successful. But if you want to win at the God kind of life, you want to do what God asks you to do and have the empowerment to do it, this is, this is vital stuff. Because when you tap in to the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll experience him speaking to you like you never have before. And it'll save you lots of mistakes. It'll save you lots of heartaches in life for yourself, for your kids, for your business. You'll be on the path that God has designed for you. And I I know that everybody has a different life path, but I believe the filling of the Holy Spirit and his gifts are available to everyone everywhere. The only prerequisite is that you believe in Jesus as your Savior. So how do you know when the Holy Spirit's speaking to you? How do you know when he's giving you direction? How do you feel that empowerment? The easiest thing, the way to to tell you this, I know this is probably a whole completely different sermon, but you need to know this. His voice sounds a lot like you. When I was a kid, I would would stick my head under the covers and I would cover my ears and I would really try to hear from God. People always said, you can hear from Jesus. Jesus will speak to you. And and I was like, oh, is he going to, you know, come, you know, in big booming voice and sound like, Greg, this is what you should. No, and I would, I would just really, I would just like, speak to me, Jesus. I probably, you know, look very strange in that moment too. But really, it's, it's easy. His spirit's on the inside of you, and his spirit interacts with your spirit, speaks to you spirit to spirit, and his voice sounds a lot like you do. Here's a, here's a different way. You'll know if it's his voice if it counteracts the voice of the enemy or the voice of negativity. The enemy's voice will never ask you to step out in faith and tell somebody about Jesus, Right? The enemy's voice, it won't ask you to stretch your finances. It's okay, you can give some of your money to Jesus. Yeah. And he'll say, no, you need that. You need that for a rainy day. He, he, he won't ask you to, to give away your time to help others, to, to read scripture, to share the gospel. What he'll tell you to do is to give up. He'll say, it's not worth it, you're not making a difference. Forget it. He's probably telling some of you right now, that Greg dude's full of baloney. Another Greek word. So you, you know the Holy Spirit spoken to you if you've ever experienced any of those things, those nudges to tell someone about your faith, to pray for a stranger even though you'll look foolish. If you've ever had a scripture pop into your head for a certain situation, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. There's so much to say on this, and let me just paint a broad stroke. Hearing his voice is just one of the tools in the belt of empowerment. And I, and I feel like many of you here would probably respond to all this by, by saying, Greg, I can't do that. It's not for me. I'm just not spiritual enough. 
You don't know my past. You, I, I'm not ready to give up this thing or, or that thing. And, and I get it. I grew up in church all my life. I said a prayer when I was eight. I really got saved when I was 17, and, and I was 30 years old when I experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and I began to see and experience growth like I never had before. I began to step out in faith. I began to pray for people. I, I began to do this kind of stuff. I prayed for thousands of people to receive Jesus. And it's not because I'm a pastor. I went to school for it. Up until I was 30, I maybe prayed for two people to receive Jesus. I was set on fire. I was set ablaze. I was endeavoring to be just like Todd White and see healings. And I've seen some, and I've seen some fails. I've seen some horrible fails in my mind. Last year, uh, in, in March, uh, we shut down the church that I was pastoring for about three years. And, uh, and through the course of, of pastoring that church and leading those people in this empowerment, it was really an empowerment model church, and we had a handful of folks. And when we shut down the church, something shifted in me. I, I began to feel like a failure. I began to feel like everything I did up to that point was, was all for nothing. So I took a step back in my faith, and I felt, gosh, man, I felt like my, my faith suffered a, a tragic step back. I, I didn't feel worthy to step out in faith. I mean, I can't even keep a church going. How can I pray for someone? I didn't tap into my spiritual language. I wasn't, wasn't praying in tongues in my private prayer time. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, he who prays in a tongue edifies himself builds himself up. So I wasn't doing it. I, was, I wasn't building myself up. I felt unworthy. It's really what it came down to. A little less than a month ago, uh, I took my family to watch the, the new Avengers game, uh, Avengers Endgame movie. And uh, about 10 days or so after the movie came out, so I was doing my best to avoid all the spoilers. I hate when people spoil. If you spoil something on Facebook, I'm going to come at you. <laughs> I hate spoil. I want to find out what's going to happen. And uh, I'm going to, let me pre preface this. I'm going to share one small thing from the movie. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing with your life, first of all? And uh, <laughs> really, I'm going to share it from you because I think it'll help you out. Um, so you all know Thor, right? Chris Hemsworth, we'll put, that's, that's Thor. And all the girls said, hey, man. <laughs> he's ripped to shreds. He's buff. He's strong. Man, he's tough. Thor, Odinson, the god of thunder. The God of Thunder is a powerful hero. There's this moment in Endgame when some of the, the Avengers are trying to, to track down Thor. He's gone missing, and they're, they're like, they need, need his help to reverse the snap. And, and if you don't know what the snap is, again, what are you doing with your life? Catch up. <laughs> Google it, for goodness sake, okay? <laughs> so they show up to New Asgard because his, his whole planet was destroyed in a, in a different uh, movie, and they find Thor and his buddies, and they're sitting on the couch. They're playing Fortnite, and, uh, and, and, uh, and Thor has let himself go. Show the next picture. <laughs> Dang, Thor, what happened to you? What have you done with your life? He got a beer belly. He's looking like your normal average Joe. God of thunder, I think not. God of Doritos. <laughs> So I'm watching this, and, and, and in, the, in the back of my mind, I'm kind of, I'm correlating it to my own spiritual journey. I, I'm thinking, once being spiritually fit, ready to storm the gates with my trusty hammer. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And there's a moment in the movie when the god of Doritos, he's back in Asgard and, uh, and his, his home planet, and he holds out his hand to summon Mjolnir, the, the hammer, the mighty hammer, which if you've seen some of the movies, it, it broke and he didn't have it anymore. His sister destroyed it, and we won't get into all that. That's not... Anyway, so he's, he's there to summit, and he's, he's looking all round, still the body of a god, Buddha, but he's still got it. So he's, he's in, in Asgard, he's trying to summon his hammer, and in a moment, <laughs> clenches it. And he says this phrase, I'm still worthy. And that was a moment for me when I almost got out of my chair and was like, yeah, preach. I felt it, man. I felt it in my spirit. Being this spiritual God of Doritos, like I'd let myself go and I haven't stepped out in faith. I haven't tapped into my spiritual language. And I felt God saying, you're still worthy. You're still worthy. Come, come back. You can still do this. You're still able to be empowered. You still have the gifts. They never left. So, so no matter where you're at in your life, I think that, that God and, and Jesus want more for you, and that's why they sent the helper, the Holy Spirit, who would live on the inside of you to empower you to be all that God has designed you to be. You just have to stretch out your hand and receive it. Let me, let me wrap up here with one, one final thought. In Mark 9, there's a passage where the disciples are interacting with this boy. Jesus is not there at the moment. The boy's demon-possessed. And, and I want to look at this briefly before we wrap up. Hang on. This is, is going to blow your mind. Nine, uh, chapter 9, verse 16. He says this. What are you arguing with them about? This is Jesus. He shows up. Uh, a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought, my, brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. Jesus says, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. I don't think he was condescending in that moment, but uh, he says that. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy in a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him. Never enter him. Again, the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet. To his feet. I've studied this passage lots of times, and something jumped out at me this week uh, that, that I believe is just for you. Hang on. So in verse 21 and 22, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? The father told him he's been like this from childhood. The spirit often seizes him, throws him into the fire or water to kill him. So the demonic spirit had a mission here to kill the boy, to take him out, ruin his life, probably because he had a major league purpose. How, does he, how did he plan to do that? By fire or by water? Now, if you look at Scripture, the Holy Spirit is often described and correlated with fire 
and water. Jesus says you'll have rivers of living water flowing out of you, correlating to the Holy Spirit. You saw the tongues of fire earlier in Acts chapter 2. and The demonic spirit was trying to give the boy, catch this, was trying to give the boy a bad experience with fire and water so that he wouldn't want to touch it or be near it when he was older. And I believe that there is a spirit that has been giving some of you a bad experience with fire and water so that you don't want to have anything to do with the Holy Spirit. And I rebuke that spirit right now in the name of Jesus. That bad experience has to go. And God wants to give you a new experience with the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you something new, brand new. So maybe you've had these experiences where... Perhaps someone with good intentions pushed you down in church or you, you, so you'd fall out in the spirit. Or you, you've heard some people misuse the gifts of the spirit or, or people rattle off in tongues when you, with no explanation or interpretation. Or somebody gave you a prophecy that didn't come true and you just had this bad experience. And, but Jesus wants to give you a new one, a healthy and empowering experience that will help you win at life, the God kind of life. I'm going to invite our band up as we, as we close here. I was struggling to figure out really how to land the plane because of such a broad topic. And, I, and it's, if you're new here, I'm sorry. This is so out of ordinary for the porch. <laughs> I apologize. Come back next week. You'll hear a different sermon. So I was really struggling, man, because I think so many times we get scared of what people will think and we try, to, we try to put a box on this whole church thing. And you got to have a song and a welcome and three songs and a message and send you on your way and you felt good because you checked the religious box. I, I don't want ordinary. I don't want ordinary for my life. I don't want ordinary for my family. I don't want ordinary for my church. I don't want it. I don't want ordinary. I don't want plain and simple. I want supernatural. I want the big God kind of stuff. So you understand my struggle, right? (laughs) Trying to figure out how to land this plane. So my question here is simple. Do you want an ordinary kind of life? You want to be successful at the things that the world thinks is successful? Do you want a supernatural God-sized life? Do you want to make a difference in your world? Do you want to see people radically transformed and healed with the love of Jesus that you've experienced but perhaps haven't played out and lived out all of your life? I've had some folks in the church come to me and, and, and tell me, Pastor Will spoke about this a few weeks ago, and he said, we've got 20-year-old Christians in a, in a one-year-old life. You've got to grow up. You've got to grow up. So it's simple. The question I'm leaving you with is, is, what do you want? What do you want? Do you want more of God? Do you want all that God has for you? Because if you want it all, it's available. You're still worthy. You're still worthy. Just hold your hand out and receive it. So I'm going to pray for us, and the band's going to lead us in a song. And Not that I'm some super Christian or super spiritual or I have all the answers, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to be prayed for. So I'm just going to stand over here. And if you're one that wants more of the Holy Spirit, you want more of God in your life, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I'll pray with you for that.
you need healing in your body, we pray with you for that. So I'm just going to stand over here. If there are others that feel empowered to pray, come join me. We're going to sing one more song. I'm going to pray for us as we wrap up here. I know you got lunch to eat. I didn't keep you six hours like I told you. So you're welcome. Let me pray for you guys. Father in heaven, I know you're doing something here. I know you're speaking to hearts and minds. Your Holy Spirit is here. We welcome your Holy Spirit. And Father, I ask that you would begin to move and touch every person here in a radical and transformative way. That you've already opened up some minds and eyes to this understanding of what your scripture says about this forgotten, all too forgotten part of your Trinity. And Father, I believe you want to help people come alive today. And so I ask that you would do that in these next few moments that you would give boldness to those that are feeling that tug and that nudge, that nervous butterflies in the stomach, you would give them boldness to come and receive prayer. Father, for those that are watching online, I pray for your spirit to touch them. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the power that comes from the Holy Spirit that will produce purpose in our lives. We give this time to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.